From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And thank you, Shaggy, as always. The man on the buttons, the man on the knobs, as it were. Um, welcome to everyone, everyone watching on Facebook Live and listening, if you're listening to your favourite podcast on your favoured podcast forum, whether it be Spotify or whatever. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, it's episode 43 of Off The Record. And um, again, without Slim Nick, my erstwhile co-host from many months ago now. Uh, when I don't have Slim Nick, I have a, uh, a special guest, a special theme to discuss, uh, a musical theme. Now, I've uh, plumped, is the word I'm looking for, for a country music this week. And uh, I know it's a very, very, very wide, broad spectrum. It covers a multitude of things. It's like having a, I don't know, rock and a rock music theme or something uh, give us your 10 favorite rock music songs it's not going to be very easy um but on the theme of country music with me my guest is you can see him on the screen if you uh, are watching on facebook live uh, a purveyor of said musical style um it's from it's england's very own from oxfordshire i think i'm right in saying yeah and uh, it's a country music star from the uk Ags Connolly. Hi, Ags. Hello there, Colin. Thank you for having me. Uh, pl- the pleasure's all mine, I'm sure, as you'll find <laughs> out, no doubt. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, without making you blush too much, um, Ags has been, um, he's, uh, been called one of the best country singer-songwriters ever to emerge from the UK. His last album was Wrong Again. And that was named, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ags, along the way, that was named as 2020's Album of the Year uh, at the UK Country Music Awards. That's right, yeah. Probably tell us a bit about the Country Music Awards, I guess, as well, at some point. Um, been described as an English Willie Nelson when his debut album came out, I read as well. Um, how about now? Uh, that was by Country Music People magazine, I assume that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what else? Yeah, open for Roseanne Cash in 2015. Is that right? That's right. Where was that? That was at the Broodnell Social Club in Leeds. Oh, I right, don't know okay. if you know that one. It's quite a no. kind of cult venue that I think, uh, I, th- I think I could be wrong here. I think Nirvana played there. Or Did if they, they really? didn't, if they didn't, it was like um, they were due to play there or something like that. It's, it's some tenuous link, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Called it off at the last minute, you mean? Something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, as I said, it's a very wide spectrum. I have asked X to give us his, like I do with every guest that comes on, whatever the theme, whatever the genre, if it's possible, just put together a list of your 10 top, roughly 10. Uh, I've gone a little bit more, to be perfectly honest. Uh, uh, tunes, top songs of that genre, for whatever reason that you like them the most. Um and we'll, we'll run through those. I've done the same. I've got a few from viewers, uh, listeners, uh, that I'll read out at the end. But from what I'm reading also, uh, we, we say it's a wide spectrum, but I think, Ags, you are more, uh, and I've got four or five songs um, sent across to Shaggy Station, CBW Radio, 
and I've already heard a couple of them on the radio, but you do, um, and uh, I quote again, it, it said, despite the uh, pop and rock incarnations of country music, which are enjoying, I mean, this century, certainly, 90s onwards, probably, enjoying the resurgence, you do continue to defend the last outpost of the genre's t- traditional roots. Uh, yeah, I'm very much um, towards the more traditional side. Um, that's the side that spoke to me more uh, when I first yeah. got into country music. And, um, you know, there is something to be said for the, for the other areas of it but like you say country music's a massively broad spectrum and sometimes you can be talking about um one particular branch of it and somebody else is talking about a completely different one and and Mm. they they, there really is no similarity between the two um and that's you know and you could be that could involve several different branches of it if you know what i mean i do indeed yeah um well when country was proud we're talking about are we and you, you know, yeah, I, I, I quote you from your that's yeah. I mean, album. I'm talking about in that song, I was talking about a very specific um time in country music, but um, uh, the argument is out there to be had, you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody has their own opinion about it, especially people who grew up with it, which which I didn't. Okay, Oop, turn that down. Um, okay, well, you tell us a little bit about yourself then. So how did you get involved in the business? What what inspired you to start off? I mean, this obviously will encompass maybe some of the songs that you mentioned later on, perhaps. But in general, I mean, I always think England and America, I mean, America, country music, you're, you're, uh, is one style, and English sort of country folk almost is, is, is another. So what led you to sort of, sort of the, I don't know, sitting around the, the campfire with a banjo uh, brigade as opposed to the prancing around a maypole with a, with a flute um, uh, band, if you, if you see what I mean. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think um, when I was younger, when I was a lot younger, I was, I was into rock music and grunge and punk and all that sort of stuff. And then I think at some point when I was about 13, I discovered singer-songwriters and, and at, at the time, I didn't really know what it was that I liked about them, but I liked them. And I, I was very, very interested in songs themselves. So I sought out the great singer-songwriters and, um, and you know, people like Bob Dylan. I got into Leonard Cohen massively. Um, and, and in fact, Ron Sexsmith was my, my route into Leonard Cohen. And I'm, I'm a huge really? Ron Sexsmith fan. And But... I, I gradually went through these songs and, I, and, I, and I, I thought, well, I must be a folk music fan then. So I started buying a lot of folk records and, I, and s- some of them I liked, some of them didn't speak to me as much, you know? Mm. And, and then I discovered Loudon Wainwright III, who is um, probably still my favorite songwriter. And what I loved about him was his lyrics were so direct, like his songs were so direct. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, I want to find some more music that's like that. And so again, I, I was going through the folk world, and you know, I, I discovered some great people, but it, it wasn't quite what I was after. And then I realised that the home of that real simple, but yet really difficult songwriting mm. was country music. And I went down the rabbit hole, and I finally admitted to myself that I was a country music fan because, you know, there, there's a certain stigma attached to it. At least there was, and I and I sort of thought, well, you know, if I'm going to do this i need to go the full hog and, and all this time i was i've been trying to write songs 
but mm-hmm. not really finding a, a home for them. And and then when I realised I was into country, I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write country music. And it, as it turned out, it suited my voice and it just um, suits my sort of outlook on life and things like that. And, and all my heroes probably, I mean, I've got a lot of non-country heroes, but um, like Loudon Wainwright, like I say, but, mm. but a lot of my biggest ones are, are uh, a pure country artist for that country, yeah. So, so Loudon Wainwright the third, I would probably if you're going to pigeonhole anyone with this thing, I would probably bracket him in at the folk. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he is, but also, do you know what? I've actually got um, uh, sort of half an idea that one day I'd love to make a, a Loudon Wainwright country album because he's got a lot of songs that that lend themselves to that, and I think maybe that's something that I that I unconsciously was hearing when I, when I first heard him, certainly mm. lyrically um, he can fit into that, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's definitely a folk singer and he's, you know, he's folk royalty with, with the McGarrickles and, and Rufus yeah. and Martha Wainwright and all those people. So yeah, yes. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that he is a country singer. I, I, no, I think no, that's, no. that's probably a step too far. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, okay. Um, and you started, you started writing your own songs, you said at that point, or you were, yeah. Then when um, when did it come about that you can actually have them recorded? And well, it was a long process. I mean, I'm a very slow songwriter anyway. But I started trying to write songs when I was about 13 or something. Just you know, very very badly. And it doesn't come easy then. It doesn't come easy to write songs, is it? Or you, you don't... no the the that song like McCartney. You know, I could just yeah, not, come up with a drop of a hat. You know, not quite like that. No, it was not quite like that. The 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 drive and the ambition to do it was there, but perhaps not the ability at the start. But the, the funny thing was, and this is true, like I knew I was going to be a songwriter. Even when I didn't write a decent song from the age of 13 till about the age of 25, I, I knew I was going to be able to do it one day. And I don't know how I knew, but I knew I was going to be able to do it. Mm. So eventually yeah, I probably was about 25 when I wrote my first decent song. But even then, by that point, I was so sort of crippled with doubt about, um, whether what I was doing was any good, that I, I went to a, a, a week-long songwriting workshop, um, which is not a million miles down the road um, in, in a place called Kingham, where mm-hmm. Daryl Scott, who's a who's a Nashville singer, songwriter, musician um, guy, was was doing this week-long workshop, and he he heard this song of mine, and he and he said that's a really good song, and and that's literally all it took just for me to say, okay, maybe I can do this then. And so from, from that point, that song actually was on my first album. It's called That's the Last Time. Um, but then I, I started to write more. I'm, a, I'm still a very slow songwriter today, but, but I, I trust the process. And, you know, I know that that's just how I do it. And I just kind of um, took it from there, I suppose. I noticed one of your, and again, a line from one of your songs, um, When Country Was Proud, in fact. Mm. Um, I think I mentioned you off air beforehand, um, and and one of the lines you said it was 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 great. It was um, you loved it because it said all the hard stuff in a pure and easy way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's Good. that's exactly it. That's a great line. Um, so what? What? Um, I think, but you went on to say um, now. I, I've, I think because there are many different genres. We're talking about the um, the cowboy, not the cowboy. Maybe the um, uh, what am I thinking of? Um, the likes of Mel Haggard, Johnny Cash, um, Outlaw. Was, yeah, Outlaw's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Um, 
when you said something's uh, somehow something's wrong, because I don't think there's one amongst them that's ever wrote a real country song. Explain. Yeah, do, do you know what? Um, that that line hasn't aged very well because at the time, um, I, I can't remember what year it would have been that I wrote that song. It was probably 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so ten years ago, um, there was yeah. there were a group of. Um, pop country artists who tried to present themselves as like the new outlaws or something at the time. Okay. And, and I was like, you know, this is not what the outlaws were about. You know, like the outlaws were about doing things differently from what Nashville was doing at the time. That's why they called themselves outlaws. And mm. it's like, um, you know, so I, I was like, I don't think there's one among these, these new outlaws, um, we've ever wrote a real country song, but uh, I didn't want that. Actually, when I think back on it now, it, it was quite a niche reference. And mm-hmm. um, there are, b- believe me, there's a lot of current outlaw artists who are really, really good and mm-hmm. are doing it the right way, in my opinion. You know, like, and I, I, I don't want them to think I'm, I'm taking a mickey out of them. You know, like no, no, yeah, that that line probably hasn't aged that well, so I, that's probably why it sounds confusing. It sounds good, actually. It sounded, it sounded good. <laughs> It sounded good. Uh, um, so, what um, what would you say is country music? Um, well, I think you know we're talking about the outlaws. Waylon Jennings actually said it best, or, or to paraphrase him in some way. Um, it's there's a massive argument about what country music is and isn't, as I'm sure you're aware, and everyone's got an opinion on it and all this stuff. And Waylon Jennings said it's not a steel guitar or a fiddle or anything like that. It's, it's a feeling. And I, and I think there's, there's so much country music now, stuff that is called country music that doesn't have that feeling because it's not been made for the right reasons. It's made purely to sell records or to sound a certain way that has been successful in selling records in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's not done from the, the basis of of someone's emotion or feeling or, or from the heart or whatever. And you can hear that when something's done like that. But uh, here's, here's another good example. When um, when Johnny Cash first heard Bob Dylan, he said, that's the best country singer I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't saying, oh, this bloke sings like Hank Snow. He's saying that, you know, that music has got, you know, real heart and soul and it's, and it's, and it's coming from this fearless young singer, you know, like, and he, all he had to compare it to was the country singers he knew, but it mm. had the same emotion in it. And of course, country music comes from folk music anyway. So, it, you know, that's that, cool. that would be another reason, but yeah, I, that's a very rambling answer. I know, but I, I think it's I something more real than I not. Basin. Yeah. 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 Okay. But uh, well, I think of country songs is, there's always a good, um, there's always a good story to it. Isn't there in a country song? Uh, there should be. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was, well, okay, there might be some of these that you're yeah. not so keen on that, that don't have so much of a good story. Um, yeah. But that's why I always think of it as being. But And, and I know you're saying that there are some aren't so good. I suppose that's in every genre, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I must admit, when I'm looking back, looking this the last few days, I have all these different country artists and listening to the songs, in, including obviously your, your albums as well. Mm. And... Uh, even the latter day 20th century ones, I'm listening to them. And I don't know, there's, there's just not many that I just don't like that much. And there's something mm-hmm. about them all. Uh, yeah. There's nothing really horror, but there's some, some genres I just don't, don't get. They go above my head. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but country doesn't. And you, 
lots of different subgenres of it. I mean, we, we, right from the word go, you're looking at people like the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers. I mean, that's yeah. country, or is that that's sort of? It's not hillbilly, is it? That's probably the orange, orange, well, oranges, the, the orange, <laughs> yeah, the, the orange, yes, yeah, an orange. <laughs> Yeah, the the oranges of country music. Um, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's no that that. Well, I mean, before those Bristol sessions when those guys first recorded it, it was called hillbilly music, and and somebody coined it as country music not long after those 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 artists started to emerge. Um, mm. But yeah, it was the crossover, I suppose. Um, I think. They called it country because they they thought it sounded a bit less um, kind of. Um, I don't know, hokey or whatever, or um, uh, I can't think of the word I want. Um, but it, it 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 sounded a bit more acceptable than just hillbillies. You know, these sort of people with no teeth um, <laughs> pick, picking banjos. You know, it was it was it was a more acceptable term at the time, I guess. Um, and then, of course, we went on to. I'm just ruffling roughly going through this list of uh, the artists over the years various diff- i've got i found about six different generations of country music here mm. um uh that generation went on to sort of the ray uh, the roy acuff um yep. gene autry uh bob wills yeah um tennessee only ford of course um yes. and then you've got the, the bluegrass acts like bill monroe lester flats etc um and then the honky tonk of Hank Williams, I, I, I presume a lot of these, um, maybe some of these you'll have in your 10. I don't know. I don't know how far you go back. Um, it's, I mean, not, not all of them, but it's, but the thing is all of that stuff is so important. Those names you were mentioning there, all of that mm-hmm. stuff was, was, was all, all those names you mentioned was hugely influential because, because of the time they came along, because it was this relatively sort of new genre that was growing. You know, mm. it grew out from the 30s onwards. And, you know, um, you had Western Swing in there and Bill Monroe, Bluegrass. Yep. And Western Swing was, you know, that was the Western part of country and Western. Yep. Um, and that, and it was George hugely Jones, pop. Another one there. Yes. And then, yeah, 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 George Jones coming late at the end of the 50s. But yep. all those names, they're so, so key. And it's only really when you, once you start to get a bit later than that, 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 um, you know, is when the arguments start about what happened to country because the sound changed and it mm. had come from this really old school sound, you know. But um, but that said, I mean, people talk about pedal steel guitar being, as an example, being like this hugely traditional thing. And I, I love it and I have it on, on my albums, as you know, like yeah. it's my favourite instrument to listen to. But mm. that wasn't invented until the, the 50s. It was yeah, before that, or possibly late 40s, before that people might have had a, a, a lap steel um, mm-hmm. and, that, and then, but, but it wasn't there at the start and some people would, would, would have you believe it was. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's, that's another reason there's a lot of arguments about what defines country music, because a lot of people have, have different ideas about, about what happened when. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and of course then you, you then they went into like a sort of a crossover into a lot of crossovers, I guess, crossover yeah. into sort of soul country soul, like with Ray Charles, was that? Yeah, I mean that was that was very important. That was very important in bringing it to more people. I mean, someone like mm. Ray Charles playing that music, a lot of those people wouldn't have bothered listening to Hank Williams before, you know, no. and and you know, or they would have found it um, just completely alien to them. But someone mm. like Ray Charles communicating it to them 
um, is a different kettle of fish. And that has happened quite a lot through the years with, with soul singers and, and uh, what we used to call R&B and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, R&B, that's changed, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not necessarily for the better, no, uh, he no. says. Um, okay, <laughs> and you mentioned the outlaw one. So, obviously, the Johnny Cash you'd put, was, was he the king? Of the outlaw the, country, uh, or? I mean, yeah, I, I was thinking because some people don't don't always think of him as immediately as an outlaw, but because he wasn't, you know, the specific outlaw thing was when William Whalen and Tom yeah. Paul Glazer and David Allen Coe and people like that um, started doing things their own way. But Johnny Cash was was was, you know, outlaw in a different way because he championed things that the other country singers weren't championing and he was the man in black because he wanted to represent the downtrodden and stuff like that you know so mm-hmm. so yeah you could you could well say he was and he did the prison okay. albums of course of course yeah, yeah, yeah um and merle of course you'd bracket in that as well i assume yes yeah he i mean he very much um again yeah but again he, he and johnny sort of started a bit earlier they started um Early 60s, was it yeah was it like- um johnny cash was was late 50s Probably late but, 50s yeah yeah with his debut album so I'm sure you know that Merle Haggard saw Jolly Cash at, at San Quentin prison when he was. I did. Um, yeah, yeah. Mate. And it's like that inspired him because he'd been a musician and he was like, you know, I need to get back into the music now, you know, like mm. obviously very glad that he did, but it was, but that was, um, yeah, they're, they're all kind of happening at slightly different times. Uh, but Merle Haggard, it's infamously, he didn't want to be in the highwayman. I didn't know if you knew that because no. when you think of the guys that, that were in it, um, I think he just said five would be too many. Um, yeah, it's a shame because it it would have been nice to have that super group. But you know, sorry, mm. that was just a, just an extra little. Bit no, of- no, 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 keep them, keep them coming, keep them coming, keep them coming. Um, and then I'm not going to go through them all, but obviously, you, then you got the sort of maybe pop country side of things coming in, and I'm I'm thinking um, in terms of um, Glen Campbell, maybe mm. is that like late 60s, I guess, then Campbell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, John Denver, all those sort of artists, were they? Yeah. Um, John Denver, I see, that that was kind of the start of when people from outside countries started getting co-opted in um, yeah. for various reasons. Um, and it's, it's a funny one with John Denver because I wouldn't say he's a country artist, but then a, a lot of people think of um, Country Roads Take Me Home as being a seminal country song. So... Mm. I, that's that's one of those classic arguments I think that a lot of people would have. But yeah, stuff like Glenn Campbell and the um, the country politan sound, as they call it at the time, uh, like Charlie Rich and people like that. Like oh, yeah, yeah. they 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 had a, a different, smoother sound that wasn't like the sort of steel and fiddle stuff. And and that was when a lot of arguments started about what was and wasn't country. And people like because people like Glenn Campbell were having pop hits. You know, were, um, the Beach Boys, I guess, as well, weren't they? He played yeah. the Beach Boys, couldn't he, with a few. That's right, and, songs, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then, it, I mean, t- don't get me wrong, there's always been a commercial side to country music as soon as they started playing it on the radio, there was. But mm. but at the same time, it's I, I think you were starting to see people realising the money that could be made from it and, mm. and, and, that, and very slowly the cynical stuff started, started to creep in, in my opinion. And Glenn Campbell, um, forgive my ignorance here, but was he um, was he a major songwriter or did he just 
Uh, he didn't didn't write a lot oh, of songs. songs. That's he, what I was thinking. Mate. Unlike music. John Denver, who wrote them, didn't he? he wrote himself. He did, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Glenn Campbell was an unbelievable guitar player, and that's how he kind of started mm. was playing guitar for other people. Um, he didn't. Um, boys, he, I guess, yeah, yeah. That's that would have been what he did there. Yeah. Was, it, yeah, was it dance, dance, dance? I think he played the intro to. You would know better than me. You've got an encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge, Colin. I know you have. I think, I think that was the one he did. Like the guitar intro to that. Um, and finally, from that era, then we're talking the sort of country rock m- m- uh, mood of, um, well, the birds maybe went very country, didn't they? Right, yeah. Uh, Grand Parsons, um, yeah. Gene Clark, uh, and, and onwards. And then, of course, Poco and, and of course, the Eagles, which, yeah. of course, didn't really stick to their country. Uh, roots, as it were. No. Yeah. You go a bit more rocky, but initially they were. And Linda Ronstadt, yeah. of course, with the Stone Ponies as well. Yes, yeah. Linda Ronstadt, I think. Right, and all these names at you, I don't know whether you like any li- of them. I, I, I like pretty much... I, if, all of them. I, I've liked pretty much every name that you've mentioned so far, Colin. I oh, think I prob- I'm not very John good Denver. at... Yeah, I, I like him for, for the stuff he does. I don't he's think he's a country, country artist. Yeah. But, what would but, you call him? Pop. Um, I, I think of him as like a... Yeah, I mean... This term wouldn't have been used at the time, but like a folk pop artist, maybe. Um, but that, oh, I mean, yeah. that sounds terrible because it, it, it sounds like you'd lump him in with um, someone from these days who I wouldn't like very much. Um, so I didn't want to name anybody. Okay. Um, oh, right. <laughs> but um, no, you mean uh, the likes of uh, Ed Sheeran, something like that? Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I, that, I was thinking. I was actually thinking of somebody less obvious than that, but it, okay. it's fine. Um, I'm um, on a bit of Ed, to be fair. No, that's fine. But yeah, I was, was going to say, like, you know, a lot of those people, that, some of those people you were naming, some, some of them sort of, um, they they sort of tread the, I don't know what's the word, they, they, they tread the dividing line. Um, Linda Ronstad made some great country music, and uh, I consider her a country singer, even though she did other things. The pop, Eagles, man. you know, they moved a long way away from it, but they're still, I, I think most country fans probably still like the Eagles, even mm. if they don't. Don't admit it, you know, they probably do. You know, I love a bit of the Eagles, but I did I think I did prefer the early Eagles. Although yeah, I funny know. enough, I think Hotel California is one of my favourite ever albums. <laughs> but apart from that, um, yeah, I think they were building up to that with with the uh, with the earlier stuff. But the Desperado, etc., was, was a classic for me. Yes. And of course the the nineties, uh, a lot a lot of a, a lot more female singers came in as well. I mean, uh, we haven't mentioned the likes of Dolly. Um no. Um, who else are we thinking? Uh, Bobby Gentry, maybe. Mm. Um, Anne Murray. Uh, yeah. And we mentioned Dolly. We should mention Kenny Rogers, of course. Yeah, I mean, Kenny, you know, Kenny Rogers was somebody who took things in a bit of a sort of crossover direction that wasn't always the most exciting, in my opinion. Um, mm. But, you know, but at the same time, a lot of his songs are... are have gone down as classic country songs and, and you yeah. can't deny it. I mean, Dolly, it's funny. People don't talk about Dolly as taking things to the pop realm, but she certainly did, you know, like, and, mm. and a lot of her biggest hits that people know her for are pop hits and, and, it, and not country hits. Mm. And it's like, she, she's always been so clever about that with her career. So, so clever at knowing how to, how to walk that line and how to, how to keep, the country fans on side and attract new fans at the same time, uh, you know, well, she's yeah. still doing well, it. You can't knock off all that, I guess. No, no, not, not at all. That. Um, yeah. And of course, one of the most country songs, one of the, I think was, I always, I will always love you. Great. Song. Yes. Yes. And, and what happened to that? It went, 
<laughs> stratospheric with uh, Whitney Houston on that film, didn't she? Absolutely. And um, it was written, I don't know if you know, it was written for her old um, sort of writing partner, Porter Wagoner, when they when they decided to stop working together, because I think Porter was holding her back a little bit. He was treating okay. her like the, like the apprentice a little bit. Mm. And uh, and I think she needed to move on. But that yeah, she wrote that for him, which is, you know, it's quite poignant because they made some incredible records together. And one one name I'm going to mention now, so we've got on to our, our maybe 10 songs, we can probably embellish upon some of these other names as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, um, I'm looking, well, lots of the female things I'm thinking nowadays, like Alison Krauss, maybe in the Union Station, is that like, right. we call that country bluegrass, I guess, wouldn't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Fantastic singer. Miranda Lambert, Carrie Underwood. Yeah, that's the, the, the kind of modern crowd. Um, modern crowd, okay. And of course, um, the big name who probably made country go become a worldwide phenomenon in the 1990s. Yeah, Mr. GB. That's right, Garth. Yeah, I mean, the the first CD I ever bought was Garth Brooks in pieces before I ever knew what country music was, and I didn't buy any more country music for another twenty years or so. I don't know, probably not as long as that. But it was, yeah, I I bought it because I I heard it, you know, heard the song on the radio or something, and I thought, oh, I'll buy that album. And I sort of came back to it. I think Garth, it's a difficult one with Garth because everyone looks at him as like um, kind of ruining country music. So a, a lot of people do. And they think that he that he turned it all very poppy and all that. And they think about those shows when he was flying around on wires in the arena. You know, we've all seen it. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and it's like this, people looking at it thinking this isn't country music. But actually, I think, I think time has been quite kind to, to Garth really look back most of what he did was definitely country music it was mm. it was in that 80s 90s vein and he did it for the right reasons and I, I obviously I don't know Garth Brooks but I know people who who do know and they say that he's he's one of the most music and artistic centered artists that they know you could say he can afford to be because he's not got to worry about money but it's like mm. at the same time he could easily be commercially minded one who who is constantly looking to you know he, he could he could try and record songs just for the sake of having a number one if mm. if he wanted to but yeah. but by, by all accounts he doesn't and i do respect that about it. like i say i think i think time has been very kind to him and it's and and people understand him better now has he retired now uh no no he's coming back he's playing um you know those shows in ireland he cancelled he's coming to do those all oh, right okay. this year maybe i think yeah 2022 maybe there yeah yeah, if they go ahead and not yeah. cancel again, it's, so many it's, gigs. How, how have you coped during the uh, lockdowns? I mean, have you managed to perform? I presume you couldn't at some point, but you, you're back yeah, now. Well, I noticed you played. Um, was it Brighton on Sunday? That's it. I was in Brighton on Sunday, and I've I've started doing a few more. It's it's starting. Touchwood people are starting to put more gigs on because they're they're more confident they're not going to be cancelled again. Um, mm. But. I mean, the great, the, the the good thing that came out of lockdown was was the fact that we could do live streams and people would actually watch them. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think before that, if you'd said to people, "I'm going to do this live gig from my house," <laughs> um, sitting, you know, just sitting like I am here now, people would yeah, be yeah. like, "All oh, right, yeah, okay." Like, and it's like you, you might be lucky if if you got into double figures watching it, but but I think now there's more of an appetite, especially because not being funny, a lot of my um, followers tend to be. A, in the older age group who, mm-hmm. who and some of them don't want to go out and and some of them live mm. in remote places and stuff like that and it's like mm. that if they get to just you know go onto facebook and, and see somebody playing some songs that they can talk directly through 
with in the comments or whatever. Um, yeah, 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 sure. That's that's you know that's great for them, and and I think that's been very important for music that that has become a thing now, because mm. it because it wasn't a thing before, and it's it's helped us in times when gigging is hard to. Um, to, to maybe just earn a few extra pennies. So I'd say that was the, the positive thing. And that's pretty much what I had to do when, when, when gigs weren't happening. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good stuff. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's amazing technology. It does help, doesn't it? Um, yeah. If, even, even if Gary Barlow is doing them as well, he didn't get much uh, good publicity. I think for some of his, <laughs> but um, um, I think I perhaps a tad harshly. Yeah. Um, good songwriter, Gary Barlow, actually. Um, yeah, to be well, fair, let's be fair. Yeah, he is. He is a good songwriter. Um, <laughs> right. Shall we press on maybe with some of these songs that you love and maybe maybe have been an influence on you? Right. Sure. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Or just you just love them for whatever reason. And um, yes. maybe we'll take it in turns. Um, okay. so if you give me your first one. We might we might have some overlapping. You never know. We, we might. That wouldn't that be brilliant? Colin, that would be amazing. That would be good. That would be good. We do occasionally on these things have overlaps. Um, yeah. What do we do? We did last week. We did Motown last week, and the oh, three wow. Motown albums. Me and and Pete were on Pete Willis. Um, and uh, yeah, the three top Motown albums we had all the same. Strangely, right? The ten right. songs. We put ten songs as well, and they were all different. But sometimes he won't pick ones that he thinks I'm going to pick, just so that they don't overlap. But, We'll see. We might overlap. You never know. But some of them would be from the names that I've mentioned earlier on. So um, you never know. Okay. That's it. Yeah, I think there's there is a chance. There's always a chance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what okay, have so, you got for me, Eggs? Yeah. Okay. Throw at me. I'm going to cheat on the very first one. Is it it's one of your be, songs? No, absolutely. No, that would that would be no. That I think that I think you'd be you'd be. Um, well within your rights to pull the plug if I did that. Um, <laughs> you say that, but I had, we've got a, a good friend of ours, Austin Dunmore. Uh, he's a good rocker from uh, Melbourne, Australia. He's been on the show a few times. Right. He's He's got, um, a, well, he had an EP out this, no, it wasn't this year, it was probably the end of last year. It's, it's very um, old school Led Zepp sort of sound, guitar-wise. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he put his album as one well, of them we did we did like albums from the 21st century that's what he was and he had to put that one in so well he, he was trying to promote in. his uh, trying to promote his new album i, oh, I think that's fair enough all right. yeah all right yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay well um yeah so the, the reason i'm cheating is because i i tried to pick um like my favorite honky tonk shuffle because i'm a um if you've listened to my albums i think you have i've got a lot of honky tonk shuffles um mm-hmm. in there and and it tends to be my sort of go-to sound, the classic yeah. honky-tonk shuffle. So I picked what I think are the joint two best and the ones that I always go to, which is Crazy Arms by Ray Price and Pick Me Up On Your Way Down, which was written by Harlan Howard, but most famously recorded by Charlie Walker. Um, so those two. And there's so many I could have put I could have put in that spot there, but I thought those are the two best in my opinion. It's funny you say crazy arms. Um, one of the, I said I've tried to bring mine down to 10, um, <laughs> but failed. And there was one, um, I did put crazy arms in, funny enough, but right. I've actually got it by Julie Lewis. Okay. Oh, that's a great version. Absolutely. It yeah. It is yeah. a great version. N- nice bit of piano on there. Um, his debut single, in fact, I believe that was. Yes, it was. 
Um, well, and, and I'll say, I'll say this actually, talking about the classic people in country music, I'll say Jerry Lee Lewis, in my opinion, is one of the, the great country vocalists. And he's, you know, a, a fantastic country artist. Even if he'd never had his rock and roll career, he would mm. be one of the great country artists. And that's, that's you know, that's amazing when you think about it. You could boogie woogie as well, like no one Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was released after the Ray Price version. I think Ray Price's was the, uh, I think I'm right. So it was the first uh, number one country hit. Yeah, it, it could maybe. well have been. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like I said, there's so many of those shuffles of just honorable mentions on, on the yeah. shuffle side. Um Popper Top by Jim Ed Brown is one of the very best. And also um, pretty much any shuffle by Wynn Stewart as well. Um, okay. those, that's, I mean, like I say, it's it's my go-to thing. It's, it is my thing in general. So that's why I love them so much. Good old honky tonk. <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say one other thing about Crazy Arms. Yeah, the, the writers as Ralph... Ralph Mooney. Mm, Ralph Mooney and Chuck yes. Schilzing is. Now, Ralph, Ralph Mooney claims he wrote it in 1949 um, whilst living uh, in Las Vegas. And he was um, he got the idea after his wife left him because of his drinking problem. That's yeah, a very country very thing, likely, that yeah. one, I would have thought, isn't it? Well, drinking, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most country thing, yeah. All right. Okay. That's that's good. Oh, crazy! I'm almost, almost. Uh, yeah, uh, we can probably one. count that. But we've got a Jerry Lee Lewis in there anyway. Um, yeah. Right. Well, I'm going back to. I'm going back. I think earlier than that. Uh, well, definitely earlier than that. In fact, and I'm going back to Roy Acuff. Okay. And the ooh, no, the wind howling. You know what I'm going to say? It's yeah. It's the Wabash Cannibal. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Old, recorded in 1936. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is one of, uh, I'm probably maybe telling you things that you know, but I'm telling you anyway. I'll tell everybody else. Uh, yeah. One of um, maybe less than 40 all-time singles to have sold more than 10 million physical copies worldwide, apparently. Right. It's not bad, is it? I didn't know that, but it's not surprising. The Smoky Bound, the Mountain Boys uh, it was with them, wasn't it? I see. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he joined the Grand Old Opry, is it? Or was it Opry? Opry, yeah. It is Opry, yeah, 1938. Yeah. Is that like the equivalent of like the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, really? Or not? No. Um, Nothing like it, okay. No, it's not. The Grand Old Opry is a radio show. Um, and it was it started as a multi-genre thing. Um, right. And then it be- it became country. It had a, a rival, the Louisiana Hayride in Shreveport, which was what Elvis was on. And it was it was. Ah, yeah, I remember the, reading the, about that. The big it, the big rivalry, and and if the Hayride had kind of pushed it a bit more, they might have won, but they but they didn't. And and the Opry kind of went more and more in the country direction. And Roy Acuff was one of the key people behind that. He was like the the kind of daddy, um, along with Hank Snow. Mm. And they they kind of made it what it is. I mean, the Country Music Hall of Fame is the is the really the the real Hall of Fame oh, of right, country. Okay. But but you have to be invited. It is confusing because with the opera, you have to be invited to be a member. You can oh, okay. a lot of people sing on it, but they're not necessarily members. If you're a member, then you're like kind of an ambassador, and it is almost like a Hall of Fame. But they sometimes choose younger people um, just to just to give it a bit of youth. So it's it's more like you're an ambassador for the Opry, really, uh, being this a member. Is Nashville, I assume. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, in yeah, downtown yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Sorry, sorry it, it, it used to be in downtown Nashville. They they built this new Opryland outside of Nashville. The Ryman Auditorium in the centre of Nashville was the, where the Opry started. So. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I, th- I, th- I thought I remember reading that they had, they had inductees to the to the Grand Opry. Yeah, yeah the, the mem- they 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 induct so. members, but it's like I say, it's 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 more about a loyalty to the Opry thing and like an mm. ambassadorial thing, really. Um, it's it's not, but there's also the Country Music Hall of Fame. So yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what I, I did wonder yeah. why there there didn't seem any country music acts in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, I, yeah. obviously, <laughs> I will cast Johnny Cash is in there, but I suppose it's yeah. his Rock and Roll side of things. Joe Lewis yeah. is there, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the the modern day country acts don't get a don't get a look in. No. Uh, and yet, things like um, hip hop, like Jay Z, was inducted this last year. Was it this year? Last yeah. year. Yeah. You think you think hip hop would have its own Hall of Fame? Really, you would have thought you? so. Yeah, if country's got one, you'd think yeah. hip hop would have one as well. Um, right. So yeah, War Warbash Cannonball is my yeah. one. Um, and uh, yeah, I can hear that wind howling on that record um, <laughs> as I speak. Right. Okay. What have you got next for me? Okay, I, I should tell you this. This list is not in any particular any order. Really, no, no, but, no. But, but no one's mine. No, okay, that's that's fair enough. Um, I've got um, a Johnny Paycheck song called "Touch My Heart." Um, okay, Johnny Paycheck is probably one of my two favourite country artists, and I love I I loved his voice. And the thing that the thing that captured my my sort of attention with him was the these uh, records he made with the Little Darling label, um, mm-hmm. with a guy called Aubrey Mayhew. And it's it's basically country music recorded almost like fifties rock and roll, like that sort of you know, really loose kind of um, uh, live recording setting, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And touch my heart is not the most upbeat honky tonker in Texas. It's not at all like that, really. But it's but it's it's a fantastic song, and it was written by Johnny himself. So I, I just had to pick one song from those from those records, really, from those sessions that I that I would put in the top 10 that that would be it so it's not like a very famous one no no that's fine no i mean not all of mine are particularly famous actually but um i love them um johnny paycheck okay was he along the lines of david allen coe similar style or not um he was he was a bit earlier than him he he used to play bass in george jones's band for a while um he got, he got, he managed to get kicked out of George Jones's band for like a wild behaviour, which, as you can imagine, was uh, quite difficult to do. I was thinking, um, so. yeah, uh, he's he he was the kind of guy. He went to prison a few times and kept breaking out and stuff like that. And uh, um, there's, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen the Tales from the Tour Bus series that no, Mike, I have. it was Mike Judge made it, who, who made like Beavis and Butthead and things like that. Oh, okay. It's quite a recent thing, but the first series was all about country music, and there's an episode about Johnny Paycheck in that. Yeah, oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, he's a bit of a wild guy, but his what I loved about him, his singing style was actually very similar to George Jones. He wasn't as good right. a singer as George Jones because no one is, but but he was. Mm. He had a similar style, and to me, I loved what I loved was so it was so raw. It was you know George Jones had a much sort of more velvety voice, but but Paycheck's voice was very raw, and it really came out on those little darling records that were made. Like I say, in in such a um, primitive style. So, yeah, that's um, he's he's one of my big favourites. Yeah, he's one of your favourites. Okay. Yeah. Right. One. Okay. I'm going on to my next one. Um, now, like Crazy Arms uh, by Jolie Lewis, who's not, although as you uh, have 
have said he is, you consider him really, he's a great country singer. Uh, he's not primarily remembered for his, his, for his country songs, yeah. is Jerry yeah. Lee, and nor is this guy. But I'm plumping for Elvis. Right. Okay. And uh, this was again recorded probably around the same time as Crazy Arms. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, at Sun Studios in July 55. And it, it was one of those that was eventually, when RCA bought out the, 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 uh, the Sun contract, uh, they put out the debut album in early 56. And they were a half a dozen or so songs, songs short for the album. So they, they used some of the old Sun Studios, Sun Session songs, most of which were a bit more country. And mm. whether you call this country, I don't know, but I seem to think it is. And I'm going for trying to get to you. I, I can honestly say I don't think I know that track. I've probably no, got no. it somewhere, but I, I, it doesn't, it you doesn't speak to me. Over mountains. Yeah, that one. I'm not going to sing it because I haven't got the voice that you have. That's for sure. Oh, I think Colin's frozen mid. Oh, sorry. He, he froze. He froze mid, um, mid, mid song. Vocal there. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Okay. But maybe that That's was probably a good thing. Me. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> Um, the, the only unique thing about that, I think, is that you can hear Elvis actually on a piano while he's singing it. Right. On the on the debut on the album version of that was released on the album on his debut album. So this is from uh, this is from those early Sun sessions. It was a Sun session, yeah. Right. And um, it, oh yeah, oh, it's just a great song. One of those where he goes when he when he goes down with the voice and then comes up. Yeah. If you watch the. Um, have you seen the 68 comeback special? Yes. Well, in, in like what I always call the boxing ring, the, the best part of the show where you've just got him and DJ John Fontana and, uh, and the other guys whose names escape me off the top of my head. Um, but they're just basically just jamming the songs. Elvis on the guitar. He plays things like Blue Christmas, um, One Night, Heartbreak Hotel, versions of it. And he does Trying to Get to You as well. Right. I'm sure, okay. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does it on that one. Uh, Unless I'm see, going completely mad. I've got. See, that was. You know, I said um, the first album I bought was that Garth Brooks album. But the first CD I ever owned was was yeah. that '68 comeback special CD. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't. Maybe it is on there, and I'm forgetting. I, I, I'm going to go and find it after we finished here. I'm going to go dig well, it. Out. I can. While while uh, while you tell me your next one, I can just Google it on, oh, this, on the screen okay. here, and that will tell us. Okay. Um, oh, so. Yeah, so trying it's, to get to you, Elvis Presley. I've got down as my next one, and it's okay. Quite- well, I, I, yeah, no, I, I think it's acceptable. I'll, um, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I will, I will check it out because I'm feeling stupid for not remembering it. But I know uh, well, it, you might not be stupid in that it might not be on the comeback special. It's certainly on the um, the debut album. Well, um, I've pre- I've got that as well, so I, I'm sure. Uh, you, know, you must know it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. must know it. You must yeah. know it. Um, okay. Well, while I'm looking this up, if you want to, yeah, just sorry, yeah, give um, us your next one, and I'll. Uh... Well, my next one is um, is David Allen Coe, um, okay. who is probably my favourite country artist, maybe my favourite artist overall. Um, Greener than the grass we laid on is the song. Um, he's another one I could have picked a million songs. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the ones of his that I really like are the ones that that are so uniquely him, and that's and that's one of those. Um, just a magnificent songwriter in so many ways, and um, 
such an incredible interpreter of songs. And like I said, there's absolutely no one like him at all. And and a lot of, I mean, for, for better or worse, there's there's no one like him. And I, there's there's certain certain songs of his that I can listen to like absolutely not nonstop, and that's and that's one of them. And he's you you prefer him to Johnny Paycheck, but they're your two favourites. Uh, I mean, yeah, I probably prefer him because he's probably more of an all round artist than Paycheck. Really, he's because he's because. Co used to do stuff. I mean, he still he still he hasn't recorded anything for a long time. But he but he used to do stuff that no one else would even dream of doing, like you know, um, arrangements and stuff like that that other people just wouldn't do. A lot of that was down to um, uh, Billy Sherrill, who, who produced a lot of his albums. But um, there's there's a song that um, that I, I I couldn't believe when I first heard it, and his son was talking about it recently on Facebook about. Um, Ice Cold Love, which is made with a Casio keyboard. You know, he's got he's got all these incredible musicians in the in the studio in Nashville, and he's sitting there with a with one of those standard beats on Casio keyboard. Right. You know, it's, it's and you know, I mean, Willie Nelson wouldn't have done that. Waylon Jennings wouldn't have done that. You know, but but Dave Ramey Coe is the sort of person who who couldn't care less what anyone thinks, so he just so he just does it. You know, good good for him, good for him as well. <laughs> Um, and I can't find that on there at the minute anyway, but we'll, oh. we'll, as we said, we can look that up afterwards. Um, sure. Right. Okay. Now I'm going to, I'm going to go um, quite contemporary mm-hmm. and I'm going for a, I'm going for Garth, funnily enough, a Garth okay. song um, from August 1990. It was the lead single from his second album, uh, No Fences. Right. Did, was that the album that you said you bought? No, it no, was um, in pieces. Was in pieces, that's it. Yeah, um, and it was two words, um, yeah. and it ended in s, so <laughs> it was close. Uh, it was the Academy of Country Music's uh, 1990 single of the year, uh, and it was Friends in Low. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's an incredible song. It really it's is a great yeah. song. It yeah. is a great song. Um, Mark Chestnut also recorded it for his second album, Too Cold at Home. Um, it's a little bit of background on it, which uh, hopefully you won't fall asleep to. But um, yeah, it was um, given to Garth by the, the songwriters, Bud Lee and Dwayne Blackwell. Mm. Uh, they wrote it and gave it to Garth to demo before his debut album, actually. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, because they they met Garth uh, Garth Brooks. Do you want to say Garth Crooks, who scored the forgotten goal in the nineteen eighty one FA Cup final replay for Spurs? Garth Crooks, but it's Garth Brooks. Oh yeah, um, what a player! Uh, they met Brooks when he was a, a shop salesman in a Nashville store, a shoe salesman. Sorry, not in a shop, a shoe salesman in a Nashville store, uh, looking for his big break. They were impressed with his voice and his talent. Um, unfortunately, when Blackwell contacted him, said, yeah, you can do this song then and give it to demo. He said, no, nah, sorry, um, I've signed with Capital now and uh, the debut album has been scheduled. The debut single has been scheduled. So it, it's already, uh, you know, it's already done. So it's a little bit late. But obviously he then went back to them afterwards and he, and he did it. Uh, it was the last demo session that Garth Brooks ever did as a singer. The right. two songwriters, Blackwell and Lee, are you can hear as one of many actually backing singers on the song towards the end of the song, I think it is. But yeah, great. It was a country number one hit in the States. 
Also, yeah. a number 36 hit in the UK chart, believe it or not, in 95. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised at that. But that's one of those songs. I, I think people rediscovered it again, like a few years ago, and a mm. lot of people, sort of, a lot of non-country fans, sort of championed it. It's, I mean, it's it's a great song. But I think anyone who who properly listened to it would probably love it. You know, it's it's a it, it it really is a classic. It's actually underrated in some ways. I think. Yeah, I think it is. I just love that sort of the way the voice goes down. And goes, yeah, <laughs> it's great stuff. It's not easy uh, to do. No, I'm sure. Um, Anyway, that was Garth Brooks. I, I got him yeah. in there. I almost felt like I was almost obliged to, really, given he's <laughs> such a huge... I mean, he's such a... Despite not being streaming any of his albums ever, yeah. I presume it's ever, um, yeah, he doesn't do too badly, does he, really? No, no. Um, he sold more albums, I think, than the Beatles or Elvis or, or anyway. He's probably one of the top one or two... That's ever, right. I, I think I think he's the biggest selling American artist ever. I think. Okay. Um, of you know of any genre, but that might That's have changed since I heard that. But it's not bad, no. It's no, not bad at all. No. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, where are we moving from? Your yeah. Uh, so, um, what I got after that is it's see a lot of these are like artists and I just had to pick a song because they were important to me because Mm. these are the artists were important to me. So this is one of the Louvin brothers. um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The best, I mean, male vocal duo ever probably. Um, And, and they had that incredible blood harmony. Uh, The song I picked was your learning, which, and the reason I, I picked that it's not one of their most famous but it's the first one of theirs I heard. And it was actually a Ron Sexsmith did like a reggae version of it or well, kind of quasi reggae version. And I, and I, I thought I, I love this song. I've got to find out who did it. And, mm. and that's how I discovered the Lubin brothers. That was, you know, just before I was even discovering country properly. So um, yeah, that, that's a, I mean, it, to be fair, it's, it's pretty typical of their output um, and it's a great song. So yeah, that, that's why I picked it. Lubin brothers. I mean, that, that what, they had a, a massive album. Did they? Want, I say massive. I don't know whether it was particularly successful, but one that is always revered. Yeah. You know, a thousand one albums that you must hear before you die. Sort of lists that they have. Yeah, they've got one by the Lubin Brothers, and I'm trying to think which one it is. But you probably um, are you know. thinking of Satan is real? That doesn't ring a bell. But, okay. Um, um, there's, there is, a, I think there is another one. Satan is real. The one that everyone's looks at the cover all the time because it's them standing in front of some like fiery brimstone and there's a cardboard Satan in the background <laughs> and, and they're sort of like standing there like, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be sort of all about hell and damnation, but it's become like a meme, you know? Yeah. Okay. I saw, a, I saw a Christmas version where it's like, um, the cardboard Satan is replaced by a, like, by like a picture of Santa and it's Santa is real. Um, Anyway, it's, yes. <laughs> that's, that's famous. It's real. What do you mean? Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, I'm going. I'm, I'm moving on from uh, Santa um, yeah. to a uh, late sixties. Um, I would say probably country rock uh, right. song, and I was, it's, it's probably one of their more country songs. Well, definitely a country song for me. And it's probably my favourite song by Credence Clearwater Revival. Right, Credence. Okay. Uh, yeah, Credence. You're a Credence fan? Yes, absolutely, yes. Um, and, yeah, it was, um, it's Lodi. Oh, wonderful, yeah. Great song. Um, yeah, uh, April 69, 
It was the B-side, actually, The Bad Moon Rising, which was their only UK number one hit here. Mm. Uh, also the lead single from Green River, which was their third album, I think. I think it was their third. I think they had right. three, amazingly, three albums in 69. So Bayou Country was probably the first one in 69, then Green River, and then William the Poor Boys, I think it was after that. Yeah. But yeah, I just love it. Um, it got to number 52 in the US, but as the B-side, and they, uh, something the B-sides make the charts over there, don't they? Through yeah. airplay, I assume. Yeah. I assume that constitutes a hit. It, the Bad Moon Rising itself got to number two in the US. As I said, number one here. And um, you know the song. And, and for anyone else who doesn't, it, it describes the plight of a down-and-out musician whose yeah. career has landed in playing gigs in the town of Lodi. Uh, which is a small agricultural community in California's Central Valley, at 70-odd miles northeast of where John Fogarty, uh, his hometown of El Cerrito. Fogarty, Fogarty has never been to Lodi, in fact. Uh, well, he'd never been to it before he wrote the song. He just oh, really? Name, yeah, apparently not. Uh, he just thought the name of the town sounded pretty cool. Well, it, it's, it is a cool name. It's and it's, here it's, in Lodi again. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's one of those songs where when you hear it, you're like, what word is he saying there? You have to yes, look at it to look at what exactly it says. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. look it up and think Lodi. Yeah, Lodi. that's it. But yeah, Credence are an, a good, never good example there of a band like the Eagles that every country yes. fan would love Credence, even though they know that they, they wouldn't necessarily call them a country band. I mean, no, Credence no, no, are no. just uh, you know, a good country. They had a Good. I'm a, yeah, Creedence Country album, I think, once. I think it was a compilation, yeah. but there were lots um, of He did the, the back door, is it looking blue, at the back door? Yeah, uh, absolutely. But they did the the Blue Ridge Rangers thing yeah, yeah. as well, didn't it? it was, yeah. yeah, that was um yeah, no, that was when um was that effectively Fog Fogarty. Do you, are you yeah. a Fogarty or a Fogarty man? I would say Fogarty because I think that's how the Americans would probably say it. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, I've always called him Fogarty my whole life. But yeah, uh, you see, but, yeah. I would say it in some company. I would, I would say Fogarty. Yeah, yeah, in some company. If you're with yeah. us down a pub, yeah, you should have come down a pub with us on Friday. We were down a pub. Uh, we could have talked. Oh, about, I saw. Yeah, yeah. We should have talked about Fogarty or Fogarty. Yeah. And it, me and Graham, Graham Kingsbury, also on Twitter. Yeah, who was there with us on Friday? Uh, we went to see. Uh, Fogarty, or we went to see Fogarty because that's how we pronounced it when we left <laughs> at the O2. Oh, goodness, that's how long ago. Time flies at the moment. You think it was like a couple of years ago, but of course, oh, we've had a period God. of time where we haven't done anything. So yeah. it was probably 2018, 17. And right. uh, yeah, and he called, I think both or a couple of his sons came on stage and he called them Fogarty. So, well, well, he must know. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's Fogarty. I saw him with when he he was on the bill at, at Hyde Park when Springsteen was there. Um, oh yeah, calling. Yeah, he he played. He was one of the one of the opening sort of act. Although it's it's like a mini festival, isn't it? So he played it, and Springsteen came on and they did um, "Rocking All Over the World" together. Lovely, pretty good. Yeah, that was that was almost. I mean, I was about fifteen, I think, when "Rocking All Over the World" came out. And that was one of the first songs that i appreciated was by him i mean i obviously mm. after the event then we're looking at creeds oh that's him that's the same guy yeah. um yeah <laughs> a friend of mine went to the states and from when i was at school and he, he came back with three now a couple of singles seven inch vinyl singles that i wanted to have um and one of which was already gone by the eagles 
uh, which you know I could have just got the on the border album, I suspect. I suspect, but mm. I, I, he brought back on. He brought back already gone with Tequila Sunrise on the B side. What a song that is too! Mm. And the other song was a song I really was into, which was Rock and Roll Over the World by John Fogel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, one of my favourite bands ever, um, the Quo. Yeah. South London's finest, um, with their wrists of iron, um, uh, rec- made it their own and uh, subsequently recorded it. So, uh, but I love John Fogarty's version as well. Um, yeah, so Credence, I'm in there. And do you want to move on with your next one? Uh, yeah, well, the next one is, um, again, it's an artist that, and I've just picked a song. It's Dale yep. Watson. Is okay. uh, the, the song is called Jack's Truck Stop and Cafe. The reason I picked that one is because it's the first song from the first Dale Watson album I bought. Um, I cannot remember how I heard about Dale Watson or where it was, but but he is one of the biggest reasons that I play the music that I play. Um, he's He was somebody who used to play, he still plays a lot in around Austin, Texas. He also plays in Memphis a lot now. He's got a bar in Memphis he plays at. Um, and he plays a lot of the real old school shuffles and, and stuff like that, which is, which is what I love. And mm. I, this was when I was discovering that I loved it before I knew what it was. Mm. And um, I went to see him at the, at the borderline in, in London. And I, and I, I was my first time going to it deliberately going to a country gig. And I remember thinking, yeah. you know, this, this could, this could be make or break. You know what I mean? Let's do, <laughs> this could put me off country for life, but, but no, it was the start of something huge. And I, and Dale Watson, it, you know, I, I, the first, the reason I first went to Texas was to go and see Dale Watson, and I, and I went back many, many times, and you know, got to know him, and I got to open for him eventually in Bristol a couple of years ago, and um, All right. you know, the, it, it, the, the, the sort of you know the, the progression happened as I hoped it would, you know, like, but yes. his, um, yeah, just magnificent. If it, think about Dale Watson, if he'd have been born twenty years earlier, he he would be like one of the the, the major stars along, you know with someone like Merle Haggard or something like that. He's, yeah. he's, he's very heavily influenced by, by people like Merle Haggard, but, um, was he, born? he was born in 1962. Yeah. So I think, I think you say if he, if his career had started in the sixties, things would have been different, but instead he's like one of these people like, like I am now trying to sort of hold on to the roots of the genre. And mm. he created the, uh, the Ameripolitan movement, which I don't know if you've ever heard me reference, I, yes, I think I have. And I just saw it on here as well. It says, yeah, uh, genre, country, Ameripolitan. Yeah, it's it, basically it's a movement because he thought the word country was being stolen by corporate people in Nashville. And he said, you know, we need to have our own word now because country's gone. So we need to get this own, own word. So it celebrates, it basically throws a spotlight on traditional leaning artists who are, who are working now and creating original music in that vein. Um, and that's I've, I've been out okay. to the Ameripolitan Awards a few times and and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, he's he's just a, a very key figure in my personal progression in in music. Mm. Okay, well that's good. That's good for a start. I, I'm not sure that I'm familiar with too much of his music, so I'm going to have to dig uh, some. Well, of those I think you would like it, Colin. I think you would if if you yeah. like if you like the old school stuff. Okay, I'm going to have to. I'll probably have to make. I'll have to compile a playlist of all these songs that we're recording and. Uh, and there post it at some stage. Yeah. Um, okay. From Dale, from Dale Watson, sorry, to uh, the gentleman you actually mentioned in passing just there is Merle. Right. Nice. And for me, I'm looking at 1969, and I would say signature song, Okie 
from Muskogee. <laughs> right. Yeah, great. Uh, title track of his first live album in 69. Um, yeah, it's one of his most famous songs. Um, now, you, you know the background behind it all? And I mean, how. Yeah, it, I mean, there's there's a lot been said about it, but but yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it, it's a satire of, of, of small town America, basically. I think mm. it's, um, he, he, he said he wrote the song to support the troops in Vietnam. Um, but he was disheartened by the uh, kids sort of bitching about the soldiers and being overseas, and no one really knew what it was all about anyway. And they were yeah. all free uh, anyway, yeah. these kids. Um, and proud, proud to howl from middle America, where people were nevertheless patriotic, but they didn't smoke marijuana, take LSD, wear sandals and beads and uh, mm. burn their draft cards and challenge authority, basically. Um, yeah. But that, that's what I've read anyway. Uh, whether or not you know any better than Matt, I, I don't know. But I, th- I, th- from the I, I just think, I mean, there has been an awful lot said about it. I just think Merle was kind of playing both sides with it a bit. You know, I think he was having a bit of fun because Merle was no stranger to smoking funny stuff, you know, like, um, and... And, and and sort of experimenting with things, and I, I think to you yeah. know to make out it was like he was you know he was mocking these kids who do it was was a bit rich. I, th- I think yeah. I think he had a bit of fun with it. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's what makes it so great is it's an enigma that song. You know? It's an urban myth as well. Yeah. yeah these things. Uh, he he probably gave several. I mean, hundreds of interviews about it where he said a different thing every time about it's it. A bit know? like McCartney with some of the origins of some of his songs. Yes, you know, you can't, absolutely. You can't remember it. It was like fifty <laughs> years ago. Well, yeah, there's that, five yeah. years ago, probably maybe <laughs> sixty years ago in some cases. Um, yeah, but okay. Uh, Mo Haggard, I'm in there. I've got. I had to have one in there from. And Oki from Muskogee was my choice. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, uh, yeah, my next one is, is, is another hero, one you, I'm sure you, you might be familiar with, called James Hand, or, who I wrote a song about called I Saw James Hand. Um, James was, that for that gig, when I first went to see Dale Watson, mm-hmm. that first country, James Hand was opening for him um, okay. at the borderline that time. And uh, I, I remember there was this moment when uh, James was like, uh, James sadly died a couple of years ago. Um, mm. It's it, well, nearly two years ago now. It's unbelievable. Again, we've lost so much time, haven't we? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I said June, June twenty twenty. Died. Yeah. That's it. It's unbelievable. Um, he's the, he was like the he was like somebody who's been transported from the nineteen forties or fifties to the present day, but doesn't realise it. You know, like he was oh, really? he he was like the kind of ghost of Hank Williams, but it wasn't something he was putting on. It wasn't like some sort of you know affectation. That's just exactly the person that he was and i remember he was he was singing this incredibly sad song on stage dressed in the sort of you know the the brilliant sort of western wear that he had and mm-hmm. there were these kids i don't know if it, you, you must have been to the borderline i haven't actually no i haven't all oh, right it's gone now sadly but um yeah. it was it was a great club but it but the thing is it, it turned into a nightclub at about 11 o'clock at night or whatever Right. So you had all these youngsters who used to come in and then go and wait at the back for it, for it to turn into a nightclub. And they were okay. coming down the stairs and they were just sort of looking at him and thinking, Oh, and you could see their faces like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> and I, do you know what? That was the moment that made me a country singer, Colin. Cause I, cause I really? looked at them and I, I thought, do you know what? I'm on his side. I'm not on your yeah. side. I'm on his side. And, uh, and yeah, I, I power. exactly. I was completely sort of, um, 
you know, amazed by it. And I studied his music and I eventually wrote that song, which he got to know about and we became friends and all this stuff. And just, you know, magnificent artist. And he's one of those people who had a lot of demons, but if, if, if he'd been able to, he, to make more records at a younger age, maybe I think, I think he'd have been a much bigger name. Um, he did eventually record a couple of albums for rounder with, um, that were produced by Ray Benson um and lloyd mains but they you know it was quite late in his career then um and it's a shame but but yeah the the, the song sorry i didn't even say the name of the song that it's in the corner at the table by the jukebox which was probably the first oh, song of his i i became aware of and it's and it's one of his signature songs sorry it took me a while to get to the actual name of the song there. that's all right no i do that when i'm i'm rabbiting on i think yeah. i never said the name of the song yeah um yeah he died quite young he's only 67 so yeah yeah um, he died. He died where he was born in Waco, Texas. Yeah, and he he uh, he he grew up in uh, West Texas, the town called West, which is not okay. far from Waco, and and he lived there pretty much his whole life, and that's that's where he was when he died. I think. Um, yeah, um, proper Texas boy, and just one of the nicest people you could meet, and and a, and a genius to boot. Mm. Okay. Oh, well, I'm getting some I'm getting some new some. A few new names here, but um, although I had heard of him, again, yeah. not not so familiar with all of his songs. So again, no. I'm going to have to dig some of these out. Hundred uh, percent, I will. In fact, yeah. um, right. My next one is one we haven't mentioned so far. Again, bordering on folk, John Prine. Oh wow! Yes, the I mean, yeah, one of I the mean, three amazing greats. Yeah, I mean, I've I've plumped for a song from his debut album eponymous debut album um again like Oki from Skogie, i guess with the vietnam link uh this one was a similar well it's linked with the vietnam war with it was about the you know the drug of a drug addicted vet sorry who uh, with a purple heart and of course his death by uh, overdose um yeah it was originally called great society conflict veterans blues <laughs> and the song is Sam Stone. Yeah. Well, I didn't know it was originally called that. No, I didn't until I looked it up. Um, but it, it is usually the song that interprets about the phenom- phenomenon of uh, phenomenon, get it right, of heroin and morphine addiction among Vietnam War vets. Right. Uh, he doesn't actually mention the Vietnam War in it, but he does mention in the first, first verse, I think, uh, about serving in the conflict overseas. Yeah, I think I think just that bit when he says Stamp Sam Stone came home, and yeah. knowing when the album came out and everything, you kind of know what what, it, what, what he's talking is. about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's quite a, a poignant one, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's a hole in Daddy's arm where the money goes, where all the money yeah. goes. Yeah. Anyway, Sam Stone, I've gone for uh, oh, incredible. My next one's a bit poppy, so yeah, <laughs> we're going to let's go. Let's go one of your traditional old schools. I think there'll be another one. Well, I think you'll know this one, Colin. Um, I, I mean, just for the reasons of balance, I wanted to have a woman in here, but also, okay. also because she's such a fabulous singer, and in my opinion, no one has ever come close. That's Patsy Cline, the songs yeah. "I Fall to Pieces." Oh, um, ching that's one of mine. Oh, right we did it! Yeah, we did it. Yeah, we are. <laughs> crazy arms, crazy arms, not crazy, because that's Patsy yeah. Cline as well, and I do love that too. To be fair, but uh, that's Willie Nelson's song, is it? Crazy. 
Crazy is the Willie Nelson song. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. crazy is yeah. Willie Nelson song. But yeah, I, yeah. I thought no, I'm going for I fall to pieces. So yeah, we can double up we, on that one. You can say what you want. On done I it. Fall to awesome. Sorry, I was going to say about it is that it's actually yeah. the second. I realise it's the second song on here. Uh, written by Harlan Howard. It was a co-write Harlan Howard and Hank Cochran, who are two of the the um, absolute best Nashville songwriters there ever were. And Harlan okay. Howard wrote Pick Me Up On Your Way Down, which was one of the honky-tonk shuffles I mentioned at the start. But oh, okay. to, to me, Patsy Klein, you know, I mean, that voice, the, the best female voice has ever been in country music. And mm. you get you get people like, I don't know, someone like Carrie Underwood comes along and everyone goes, oh, it's the new Patsy Cline. You, you hear it a lot. But no one, in my opinion, has ever been close to her. And, you know, those, the, those versions of those songs are completely iconic because because no one can better them, in my opinion. Like crazy, like you say, like yeah, yeah, yeah. another example. And she sung that on crutches, I believe. Crazy, really? She it on crutches, yeah. Still recovering from uh, "I Fall to Pieces." Uh, sorry, well, she nearly did in the car crash. Yes. Um, yeah, I got "I Fall to Pieces." I'm saying it's number one in the country charts. Number twelve also crossover hit in the US. It wasn't a hit here in the UK. Um, although she didn't initially like the production on the song, she thought it wasn't there wasn't enough country instrumentation on it. Apparently, um, and. Chart-wise, it was a bit of a slow burner. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a link to one of your songs as well. Yeah, thank you a for the slow plug. Burner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what? That's a great song too. No. Like you've got to hear, you've got to hear a song right to the end. That's from Slow Burner. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, she's nearly died in a in a car crash um, as it yeah. peaked the country chart. So she was unable to perform it uh, for a couple of months anyway. Um, it was included on the second album, Showcase. It was turned down by Brenda Lee, the song. Really? Apparently for the same reason. She thought it wasn't country enough. And uh, Roy Drusky. Do you know Roy Drusky? Name ring um, I think I, I've seen the name written down. I've he also turned it down anyway. He, okay. he claimed and he argued with the uh, producer Owen Bradley that it wasn't a man's song. Uh, um, so uh, um, Patsy Klein overheard this apparently and went over to the producer Bradley and asked to record it herself. Well, no, she, even once she started recording it, she was still had second thoughts because she thought the Jordan airs who were doing the backing would drown out her sound. Right. Yeah. Also thought, also thought that Bradley was basically trying to um, make a crossover to the pop market, which yeah. he's denied, but you know, they all, they all did it eventually. Well, not everyone, but you know, a lot of people did. And I guess there's nothing wrong with it at the end of the day either. No, I mean, a lot of, I think, uh, Patsy's stuff might have crossed over to pop, actually, like in the in charts-wise, I think it might have been done. Um, but, you know, the, the the voice was just was everything to me. And the, I've got a bootleg, actually, that um, of Patsy Cline live that she did not long after she'd had the car crash, actually. And uh, mm. and you see, you hear so much of her personality on that. She was a real kind of rough, tough girl, you know, like she, you know... Um, I don't think she was going to let any any men in the studio or outside of it walk all over her, you know. Um, no. So I'm, I'm glad she was forceful enough to, to to record that for herself. Yeah, sure. That was that was a great song. I really love it. Yeah. Um, again, the sort of pureness of the voice is just like uh, yeah, yeah, love it. Um, yes, and going poppy, as I said, I was going to yes. uh, one that you probably might not like in the seventies. Um, I'm going for one of Kenny Rogers. Right. Uh, and the, he had two massive number ones here, which was Lucille. 
which I haven't gone for. I've actually gone for Coward of the County. I okay. don't know. I just love that song. Uh, and it was a number one in the UK. It was a number three in the US. Number one country US, of course. Um, I think we all know what the song's about, basically. So I don't need to mm. um, to ramble on too much about that. But yeah, I just like the, I just love the song. And uh, the way he turned things around and he, you know, sorted out those Gatlin boys uh, <laughs> by, by closing the door. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I, we, I still really don't know whether what he did to them, whether he killed them, whether he knocked them out unconscious or whatever. But, you know, uh, Tommy did, you know, he looked after Becky, didn't he? But yeah, good, good song. Good I, song. I, you know, I, I like Kenny Rogers. That was never my favourite, although um, it is the favourite of a lot of people. That When I used to play covers in pubs, I I wasn't allowed to do much country, but people used to sometimes request um, Coward of the County and Blanket on the Ground, Billy Joe Spears. For some reason, there were men of a certain age all absolutely loved Blanket on the Ground. I don't know why. (laughs) But yeah. Um, well, that, maybe I'm of a certain age. I, I like, I quite like "Blanket on the Ground." It's I a good like, song. Don't get me wrong, but they, like, they like loved "Stand it. by Your Man" as well. Tell me, wasn't it? Uh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we, we all do. But know, by the time she sang it, she's probably on her fifth husband at the time. But <laughs> apart from that, uh, yeah, that was uh, a big hit here in the seventies, rather later than it was in the states. But that's right. Yeah, um, but yeah, okay. Kenny. You know, like you can't, you can't ignore Kenny. He had some huge hits. Yeah, 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 I've gone for that one anyway. Count of the mm. county, right? How, how many more you got? got I've got three more. Okay, this was from. Yeah. Got? Okay, so this next one you probably haven't heard of this guy. Um, okay. Guy called Roger Allen Wade, and the the, the oh. song I oh have, <laughs> I have heard of him. You have heard of him, great. Uh, yeah, I know because Shaggy Shaggy's a big fan. Is he? I don't know whether he's listening. I don't know he's listening here. Shaggy, you listening? Yes, sir, Does I am. This? Oh, he is. Oh. He is. Yeah, Roger Allen Wade. He's mentioned Roger Allen Wade. I love think. Roger Allen Wade. Uh, he's one of my favourite songwriters, and I, I think he's one of the best songwriters working today. Honestly, um, so yeah, the song I was going to pick was "Cars and Guns." There's there's a lot of songs I could have picked, but that's a that's a fantastic one from the um, Stoned Traveller album. Okay, um, he is uh, Roger Allen Wade is. Um, Johnny Knoxville of Jackass fame's cousin. Um, if, you, if you know who that is. Um, know, but, yeah, know, yeah. Um, he's, um, I mean, he's not really anything like Johnny in, in that way, but, but he's, uh, he, he was, he was a, a Nashville songwriter and he, he wrote a song that Hank, Hank Williams Jr. had a hit with called country state of mind. Okay. Um, he co-wrote it with Hank Jr. And, then he kind of fell off the radar and I think he might've had some personal problems or whatever, but he since has started making his own albums. And I think Johnny Knoxville help, helps to fund them. Um, and they're, they're all just singer songwriter albums, just him and a guitar. And the, the, the songwriting is immense. It really is. And um, it's, again, it's very direct, you know, it's very, very personal stuff. Um, and cars and guns, there could have been so many that I picked, but that was one of the first ones I really um, latched onto. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe thinking of the wrong guy, but is, is his daughter not a musician as well? Uh, not that I know of, but it's... Unless but I think someone else, possible. unless Shaggy knows better. I thought I remember seeing something about... Yeah, not that I know of, but not I'm, that you know I'm not okay, real sure. Not then in that case, not in that case. Um, yeah, Stone Traveller, that was his second album then. 
Mm. Yeah, you surprised me. You, I surprised you there, didn't I? Hearing of Roger Allen White. Yeah, I did surprise me because normally when I mention that name, everyone's just like, no, don't know, you know. <laughs> no. But Kenny Rogers, yeah. Roger Allen White. Yeah, there's a, there's <laughs> yeah. a mix there. There's a mix. Um, Okay, right. I'm going again, moving forward slightly from Poco and uh, and and uh, Credence rather, rather than Poco. Bernie Leiden was, um, yeah, as you know, he was. He's a country man. Played a banjo, so he's obviously the country yeah. influence in the Eagles. Uh, originally with um, Dillard and uh, and Clark, um, Gene Clark, that is. <clears throat> and co-wrote uh, about six of the songs, I think, on their album, uh, A Fantastic Expedition of Dillard and Clark. Now, one of the songs on that um, ended up on, after his little sojourn with um, Graham Parsons and Chris Hillman, ex-birds, of course, the Flying Burrito Brothers, ended up on the Eagles' debut album. Right. And this is the song I'm plumped for, which is Train Leaves Here This Morning. Okay. Did that surprise you? You know the song? Yeah, I do know this song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um it's yeah, it's a bit left field, but I, but I, I think it's perfectly acceptable. Acceptable, thank you very much. <laughs> it's acceptable. It's, I've got I've got the eggs Connolly seal of approval. There you go, that's exactly that's all I need. <laughs> the weirdest thing about that album, I mean that song um itself and I mean take it easy, of course, as well. So American sounding. And yet 95% of the album was recorded at Olympic Studios in Southwest London. Right, yeah. Bizarre. Soggy studios probably in the <laughs> southwest of London. Hammersmith, was it? Somewhere along that way, I think. Olympic Studios, somewhere along those lines. But anyway, yeah, that's the one I've gone for. Um, of course, he was the big country influence in the Eagles in the early yeah. days, anyway. Yeah, I guess so. It's, no, I, I, I like it. I think we're educating each other to a certain degree here yeah good that's what it's all about that's what it's all about yeah I well sh- I, what i should have done is had one of your songs in rather than you having one of your own shouldn't i should have picked one well yeah if 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 you were any kind of a, of a host you might have done yeah, that i would have done really <laughs> right he makes notes scribbles through the notes well, well i'll tell you now i do love when country was proud i do love that one keep quoting lyrics from it to you so uh and a slow burner <laughs> Love that one too. Uh, oh, and how about now? I do the, the um, title track from your first album. Yeah, and, thank you. And closing track. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, I, I, I do appreciate that you like the stuff, college. So it does, yeah. you know, it makes a difference. Enough, enough of being a sycophant, and let's yes. move on with your next one. Well, this is this is my only one that's that that's kind of um, that you could say is is not from a country artist, um, but the song I think is country. Um, it's allowed on Wayne Roy, the third song, but it's it's a song of his. And I was talking earlier about how some of his songs lend themselves to country. Well, this is one that he actually recorded in a country style. It's called So Many Songs, and okay. it's from his History album, which is which is widely thought of as his best album. Um, and it's got I think I think he's got um, Greg Leash on on steel on that. Um, and it's 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 just a classic country song that he did, and that he snuck in amongst all his all his singer songwriter folk ballads whatever you want to call them and no one noticed um mm. because most of his fans are probably probably vehemently hate country music um like a lot of folk people do 
but um, I think um, I think I, it, think I missed that. Who, sorry, who was the artist? I missed it. Loud and Wainwright the third. Oh, Loud and Wainwright the third. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah. I don't know whether you did say or not. I'll listen back to that. I, I think I did, but I was okay. probably. I must have probably scribbling away on a bit of paper. I probably babbled it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so yeah, the songs, so many songs and it's, it's a country song and it's, and it's brilliant. And it's like, if, if you'd said to somebody that, um, that it was Willie Nelson, then they'd have no reason to disbelieve you. You know, it's a, mm. it's a wonderful song. And again, I think that Loud and Wainwright, the thing, um, sort of obsession I have and had was, was the, the beginnings of my, my route into country. Mm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know you love your Loud and Wainwright. Um, Right. Uh, Another obvious one, I guess, for me, I had to have, um, I had to have Johnny in there. Johnny Mm. Cash. Um, Now, um, he did a few versions of this, no doubt. But I mean, he he, he always used to open his live shows with this song. Right. My name's Johnny Cash. And uh, and then on, on he went with it. Um, it, well, that was originally on his debut album back in '55. Uh, uh, Johnny Cash mm. with his hot and blue guitar. Um, it's like uh, I suppose it's a bit of a mixture of a train song and a and a and a, and a prison song, which yeah. arguably, of course, he, that was Johnny Cash's career almost. And the discography was pretty much like that. A lot of trains yeah. and prisons. Yeah, it was on the uh, at Folsom Prison. That's the version I've gone for, and it's Folsom Prison Blues. Uh, I mean, it's very hard to to argue with that. Hard to argue with that. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Rolling Stone have it. Well, I like. To, we normally read these out like when we're doing albums. So if they call it uh, number fifty one in their hundred greatest country songs of all time, right? Number one in the country chart. Number thirty two in the US that year. Sixty nine's Grammy winner for the best country vocal performance. Um, I don't know whether it's country rockabilly, rock and roll, or whatever, but you know, I love it anyway. So, well, that was that was the thing about him. You, you don't really know where to pigeonhole Johnny because mm. because he did things. Okay, they tried to make him do some straight up rockabilly stuff at times, which mm-hmm. didn't totally suit him. You know, he's just he was always just his own thing with that mm. unbelievably distinctive voice and everything. Voice, and, you yeah, know, yeah. just it was it was always only ever going to be Johnny Cash music. It wasn't going to be specifically one thing or another but being who he was and where he was from it was you know i I, i'm not surprised that country is the main label he gets given Mm, okay well i had to put one in there as i say yeah so is this this your final one then or this oh this would be my final one yeah yeah, okay cool we're we're getting there right yeah so my final one is uh this is probably my favorite song full stop it's by robert earl keen it's called feeling good again okay um, Robert O'King's one of my favorite songwriters. He's a, a Texas songwriter who is massive in Texas um, and not that big anywhere else because I don't think he needs to be. Once you're big in Texas, you can pretty much make a living just traveling around. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I did get to see him over there once. Um, and Feeling Good Again is, is a song that he wrote about. Um, it's some local bar he used to have. And, and it's kind of like just a song about a perfect night in the bar, but but I think it's the, the the brilliance of it is that it can be interpreted a lot of ways and it can, um, you can, um, I don't know, like you can hang your own life off it as well and say, okay, I can see that that, that could happen to me in, in, you know, in some way. And it's, it's hard to, hard to um, explain if you haven't heard it, but, but no. I'd, I'd say it's my favorite song and um, that's why I had to have it in the list. 
and just I was just sort of reading my phone there, looking at the message board there, um, and Brian wrote uh, about well, a few minutes before you said this, he said, "If you don't mention Robert Earl Keane, I will be absolutely disappointed." <laughs> there so you that, go. That filled in quite, quite I well. I promise you. I promise you. I'm not looking at the message board. That was totally organic. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what do we got else here? Um, yeah, uh, Barbie's written, um, I got to see Kenny Chesney live on the beach of Panama City Beach, Florida, during spring break. It was a free show too, and it was like heaven. He's the king of songs about spring breaks in Panama City Beach. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so Brian obviously will be uh, happy with your choice of uh, Robert O'Keefe. I hope so, yeah. Well, okay, I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got a couple here. I'm not sure which one to have. Okay. Both classics, as far as I'm concerned. I'll let you choose. Um, one, I had to put Hank in. Um, right. Yeah, and, see, I, I wrestled with that as well, but but yeah, I'm glad you did. And um, probably, and as Elvis said, uh, it's the saddest song he's ever heard. He recorded it. Many people have recorded it, including Johnny Cash, yeah. actually, um, and Leanne Rhymes, and even C6 Steve, who I believe you are going to be on. Yeah, Red Rooster summer? Festival, that's right. Red Rooster yeah. Festival, is in, in uh, Suffolk? That's it, yeah, yeah. Is that near? Uh, is that near Centre Parks? Maybe I can, oh, I can arrange a Centre Park holiday. I wouldn't honestly know. Well, that's in Thetford. <laughs> that's in Thetford, so it's going to be fairly close. It's very close. I think it's actually very close to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I remember rightly, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it must be. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was. Yeah, you know the song. It's uh, the thirtieth of August, nineteen forty-nine. It was recorded, mm. uh, released later on that year. Um, as the B-side to my bucket's got a hole in it, believe it or not. Again, probably a signature song, would you say, for Hank? Um, I'm not sure if you... Uh, did, did you say the title? Are we talking about I'm So Lonesome I Could I'm Cry? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't say the title. Uh, See, I do it as well. I, I'm So Lonesome I, I Could I, Cry, yeah. I, I guessed it from the description. Really. Yeah, 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 well done. Um, yeah, it's... Oh, Paul Eggs. Exactly. It's, no, it's, it's an unbelievable classic country song with some of the greatest lyrics that have ever been in country music. Um, the silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky. And as I wonder where you are, I'm so lonesome I could cry. It's like, yeah. um, it's, you know, if, if that had been written by one of the great poets, you know, it, it would, it would be, written on pub walls, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like it's, uh, it's, not toilet doors you know, or anything. But exactly. You know. I mean, that's there's a reason. Well, yeah, that they, they, there's a reason they called him the hillbilly Shakespeare, and that's and that's a good example. Such a great songwriter, Hank Williams, wasn't he? Mm, absolutely. I mean, he had a few a few good songs actually. I mean, I was tempted by uh, uh, "Your Cheating Heart," for yeah. example. I mean, I do iconic. like Ray Charles's version of that, which is completely different. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing about great songs like that, that they can be interpreted by, you know, by, by other great artists because mm. they're so good. Mm. Um, yeah, he had, he had an awful lot of, um, of incredible, like sort of groundbreakingly amazing songs that, that mm. have rarely been equaled. Hey, good looking. I was thinking another one, maybe it's a good song. Yeah. Um, right, and the other one, so that's that one or this one, which uh, I think I might know what you're <laughs> going to say, judging by your comment on Hank. Um, it's another classic as far as I'm concerned. It's Marty Robbins. 
Right. Okay. And from the uh, Gunfighter Ballads and Trail Songs album, another one of those albums that make the lists, a thousand and one albums uh, you must listen to before yeah. you die. Um, and it's Big Iron. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Big Iron. Um, um, all about the, the Ranger having a, or the Arizona Ranger to be specific, I guess, uh, having the duel with the, the outlaw, uh, 24, 24 year old outlaw. Uh, what's yep. his name? Texas Red. And yeah. of course, he he kills him, kills Red, uh, with with the swiftness of the big iron on his hip. Yeah, big iron on his hip. Yeah. That's it. Um, Johnny Cash actually did a great version of that. On um, it was one of the outtakes from his uh, Rick Rubin sessions. Um, it was on the unearthed box set. I think it didn't make it onto one of the albums, but to me, it's it's a brilliant version. It's it's. Uh, arguably as good, if not better, than than the Marty Robbins one, All right, um, okay. which is it's just saying something because it's a Marty Robbins song, you know. Look, mm, but um, yeah. but it's a fantastic song. I, I I play that quite a lot to myself. I've played it on live streams and stuff because mm. that you talk about stories in country mm. music. That the I think it's five verses, and the story is told so so like succinctly and and grippingly in those in those five verses. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay, well, I presume of those two, you'd pick Hank. Or you might you might choose I, I, Johnny Cash's version of Big I Iron. I think you'd have to. Well, I say I think I would have to pick Hank because of cultural impact, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's very hard trying to choose between songs like that. And a lot of these, like the acts we took, Elvis, Jody Lewis, another one. I mean, I've gone past my ten now, but I'm going to roll on. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rock and roll on. Um, Eddie Cochran did a bit of country as well. Um, um, yeah, and. I particularly like Cut Across Shorty, which is sort of countryfied. Just yeah, a little Cut bit. Across Shorty. Yeah. Um, and that was, and I suppose the poignant thing about that was that that was the very, very last song that he ever recorded. Before right, he, is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was on the B side of Three Steps to Heaven here, which is a number one. Uh, I don't think it was released in the States, or at least it wasn't a big hit. But it, it got someone after he uh, died in the car crash. Um, yeah. So yeah, and it was written written by a famous country hit songwriter Mary John Wilkin. Do you know the name? No, I don't. No, no. But the, I to- sorry, the other one I toyed with. Sorry, was um, me and Bob, uh, me and Bobby McGee. Okay, it's yeah, a great song, but and it, it was sort of a countryfied. Roger Miller did it initially. Yeah, and then of course Jan- Janis Joplin made it. It's a Chris Christopherson song. He also recorded it actually. But uh, Janis Joplin made it huge, and, be- and became the, s- yeah. the second posthumous UK number one single. Do you know who the first one was? Man of interest. Um, UK number one. Um, no, it was US. US number one. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't. Wasn't number one here. I'll tell oh. you, it was. Uh, or oh, unless you got it off the top. No, of no, no, cool. It was Otis with sitting on the dock of the bay. Oh, I wouldn't have got that. I would no. sitting on the dock of the bay. I would not have got that. No. Yeah, yeah, that was the number one too. Um, yeah, me and Bobby Me and Bobby What is it? Which I didn't have. Well, I mean, Chris um, Christopherson had so many amazing songs that, oh, that, yes. that that you could that you could name. I mean, it's 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 impossible to make a a, a ten song list of the great country songs or whatever. It but, is, but, but we get to um, we get to talk about them anyway, and we exactly, can, yeah. can we add in these other comments as well. I mean, help me make yeah. it through the night. That was Chris Christopherson, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. What a great song that is. Yes. Absolutely. I love the sort of reggae-ish version of it by John Holt, actually, in the uh, oh, 70s. Um, yeah, John Holt, who uh, wow. a song he wrote 
that was big for, do you know, maybe he wrote The Tide Is High that Blondie did, I think. Oh, like that. okay. But yeah, I know. He did a great version of Help Me Make It Through the Night. Um, now, before, I, have you got any others that you want to give an honour mention to quickly? Or uh, No, I, th- I think, I think we pretty much covered it. going on for another five or six or ten or yeah. fifteen. <laughs> yeah. um, one very random one I'm just going to throw in finally before I re- read out the, um, the ones that people have given us. I'll just mm. run through very quickly. And this is a singer-songwriter um, female from an album called Between Here and Gone. Uh, it was her eighth album in 2004. Do you know the album? Uh, the, the, the album title rings a bell. Yeah, so I, it's I, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and the song is Grand Central Station. Right. Um, I mean, it's I mean, it's just a great song. It's one of those, for me, it's one of those hairs on the back of the neck stand-up sort of song um, where she sings about one man's pilgrimage to... Uh, Grand Central Station in the aftermath of 9-11. She was inspired, actually, by an interview she read with um, an iron worker who um, uh, was one of the first at the scene of the, uh, well, the towers after they'd collapsed. Uh, And he worked at Grand Zero, actually, for a few days afterwards, too. Now, at the end of each shift, the iron worker said that he he left and he felt impelled to go to the train station uh, so that the souls of any victims that, that could follow him. And he right. stood on a platform thinking whoever wanted to go home could, could catch the train home, basically. Yeah. And, and just listen to the lyrics of it. It's, uh, it's a great song. I sort of threw that in. As a, as a bit of a okay. random one. Well, I'll, I'll have to check that out because I, I, I haven't heard of the song. So I'll yeah, it's a, it's a it good out. song. Um, I've just seen two more. I can't read them all there. Gordon Lightfoot is another one. I really loved him in 74. Oh, Sundown. Because yeah. I, I was listening to Quo and the other stuff yeah. around in 1974, like the Wombles or whatever. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and and all, all my mates at school were listening to uh, Pink Floyd and genesis and what have you and i'd listen to quo and they really killed me and i used to really rave about sundown by gordon Lightfoot. yeah and i said no they were saying no he sounds like val dunican they were saying <laughs> um which might not mean anything to any american listeners but um right i'll quickly run through a few i've got here you might know some you might know all um barbie has given me she's given me 10 and in order uh First, we've got number 10. We've got It's All Gone to Pot, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard. <laughs> That's like uh, the, the thing they did uh, right towards the end of Merle's life, I think. Um, yeah, I think and he was. got angry because that he got angry about the video because he, cause they showed them sitting around smoking and uh, oh. he didn't want that depicted, apparently. Oh, but yeah. Nobody um, would have known. Would take no, that it's, it's, a, it's a great, it's a, oh, a great fun song, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some others here. What we got? Number nine, Two Sparrows in a Hurricane by Tanya Tucker. Do you know this? I don't know that song. That, that doesn't ring a bell. I, obviously, I know Tanya, but I, I don't know that song. Uh, our song, Taylor Swift. We haven't mentioned Taylor Swift, of course. He did start as a big country act, didn't she? She, she did. And she's now more pop. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm not familiar with a lot of what she's done. I actually, no. I like... I actually like quite a lot of her pop stuff, but I'm not actually familiar with her earlier stuff, to be honest. No, it's, it's the other way around for me, actually. I probably prefer the, the country stuff. Um, seven, Coat of Many Colours, Dolly Parton. 
Oh, it's a, uh, a legendary, iconic song. Yeah. Six coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one that I didn't know, uh, and it's a Dirt Road Anthem by Jason Aldean. Okay. And, and she's particularly mentioned the uh, CMT Awards 2011, where he performed it with Ludacris. Right. Okay. It's an interesting combination. It's, I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy co- yeah, <laughs> uh, combination. Um, four, Stay by Sugarland. Okay. Three, Hell on Heels by the Pistol Annies. Right, cool. You know the Pistol Annies? Yep. Uh, two, Gunpowder and Lead, Miranda Lambert. And number yep. one, Kitty Wells with It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels. Awesome. Save, save the best till last there, uh, number it was, one. It was number one. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Becca, who I think is Bobby's f- uh, flatmate or housemate. <laughs> Ten, I Walk the Line. Johnny Cash. Cool. Nine, Amarillo Sky, Jason Aldean again. Wow. Eight, I Know a Heartache When I See One, Jennifer Warns. Well, that's, a, that's a nice choice. A yeah. Great singer, Jennifer Warns. Yeah. Mm. Uh, seven, I'm so lonesome I could cry, Hank Williams. Six, Pancho and Lefty. Towns Van Zant. Awesome. Uh, Kern River, Merle Haggard. Yeah. yeah. Here You Come Again, Dolly Parton. I suspect that's one of the ones you think was well, she really crossed over to pop. Yeah, I guess. But still, it's, it's still a, it's a great good song. song. Yeah. Uh, three, Honky Tonk Man, Dwight Yoakam. Wow. That's got a bit of fiddle on it, so that's definitely country. That one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Galveston, Glenn Campbell. And, oh, Paradise, John Prime. That's a, that's a great list. It's a very strong list there, I have to say. Mm, yeah. You should get her on. You should get her on. Um, okay. Harry, it's given me just four. Um, uh, a couple by Hellbound Glory. Do you know Hellbound Glory? Yeah, I like Hellbound Glory. Okay. Well, either way, we're fucked. It's one of them. And better, <laughs> better Hope You Die Young was another one. We've also got Great Mistake, Rachel Brooke, and Hurricane by Luke. Is it Luke Combs or is it Luke Coombs? Luke Combs, yeah. Um, Combs, those, yeah. Those first three could all apply to, to us, really, couldn't they? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the song titles. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Andrea, My Dreams Have All Come True, John Paul White. Um, the Change by Garth Brooks. Please Remember Me, Rodney Crowell. In a Perfect World, Keith Stegall. And past the point of rescue. That's another one for us for our song. Yeah. <laughs> How Ketchum. Right. Yep. Uh, it's a 1991 album, I believe. Uh, Tony's just given me Rodeo, Garth Brooks, and Jolene, Dolly Parton. Um, Graham. Good old Graham. Right. He's got Help Me Make It Through the Night, Chris Christopherson. Your Cheating Heart, Hank Williams. I Walk the Line, Johnny Cash. The Grand Tour, George Jones. Mm. Angel of Montgomery, John Prine. Sam Stone, got one of mine in it, John Prine. A boulder to Birmingham, uh, Birmingham as we call it over here, uh, Emily Harris. Cold, cold heart, Hank Williams. Another Hank Williams, you win again. And finally, Love Hurts by Graham Parsons. It's a pretty classic list there. Yeah, and I know Shaggy, he's already mentioned Roger Allen Wade listening in there, but he's also a big fan. He couldn't pick any songs, but... Uh, Matt Woods. Oh, know I know Matt Woods. Yeah, yeah, Not he's he, yeah, I do. Yeah, he's, he's he's a great songwriter and a yeah, a great bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, unknown Hinson. <laughs> yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> you didn't know that. I know who that is. So, what what was the Matt Woods song? Did it say? 
It didn't say it didn't give. Oh, it's just a name. Unless, okay. unless he can. Yeah, actually, uh, pretty much everything. He's uh, actually a really good friend of mine. Right. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, he, uh, drinking to forget. That was one of his, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Dead man's drinking blues. To forget how drunk I was. Name to drop. Night, yeah. I think would be my favorite Matt Woods right now. Right. Okay. Yeah. But it'll change. It'll change in the morning, Chucky. That's yeah. <laughs> and you were saying, uh, Hank. Three, as you called him, Shaggy. Yeah. Yes, Hank Williams the third. Yeah, Hank Williams the third. And that's the that's the uh, that completes the voting, I think. Well, the, that's a that's pretty cool list as well. Yeah. Okay. Right. I think we're done. So, um, thanks for coming on. Been great fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. That's a pleasure. Uh, as I said, the pleasure is all mine, really. Um, keep on with the the music. I'm I'm amazed how you can sound so well. You you make some music that is American, but it's a Brit making it, and you don't sort of come across as like sort of American accent to it, do you? You sound British. Mm. It's uh, I, yeah. I, I I get asked about this a lot, but I, honestly, it's just the way it comes out. I I've <laughs> never sort of tried to make a conscious decision to sound one way or the other. I think maybe when I started, I, I was unconsciously trying to trying to sound a bit more British, actually, um, mm. so that people wouldn't think I was being cheesy. But right. I think, to be honest, over time, it just it's just become sort of natural. But yeah. um, it doesn't sound cheesy to me. Anyway, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think I was just born in the wrong place. I think that's what it is. So you um, have you got any other new... I know you've got the festival coming up in um, mm. June, was it? Yes, yeah, June, yeah. In, in Thetford, near Centre Parks. Yeah. <laughs> quickly rushed to get a Costs so much to get a Centre Parks these days. Um, uh, have, have, do you have any idea, uh, any other songs in on the go? Any um, albums um, again? I'm sort of... Oh, you froze. Working there. towards next album. Okay. Um, slowly getting there. But there's, um, there's, you know, it's, it's a bit of a bigger project, actually. It's a bit of a longer-term project, so... And like I say, I'm a slow songwriter and I, I really wish I could be quicker, but I, but I can't. So I, I yeah. can't put a date on it just yet. What was the one you said? You, oh, maybe I should make an album of country versions of... Uh, some oh, of Loud and Wainwright. Is that Loud and Wainwright? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. That can maybe be one day. As well. Yeah, maybe one day. Well, it's great to... Uh, so I've never actually met you in person. No. Uh, we've spoken on Twitter a number of times. It's great to meet you, at yeah. least uh, on Zoom here. Um, and again, once again, thanks very much for coming on to uh, Off the Record this cheers. week. I hope people have learned a few new, uh, few new names. Yeah, cheers. I'll, I'll have a drink of whatever they call it in America squash, cordial. Mm. Cheers. And um, so uh, this podcast will be posted to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker. Uh, it'll be on the Off The Record Facebook page, uh, also the CBW Productions Facebook page and the cbwproductions.com website. And as my co-host, my erstwhile co-host has always said, eventually we will be on the BBC. He, he seems to want to say that each time. Um, so in the meantime, Ags, it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. Not off. Thank you very much. <laughs>